What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show. Welcome back. It is finally December here in 2019. We're talking about Knives Out today. Is this movie a masterpiece? We're going to break it down for you guys right now. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's action movie anatomy. Boom! so sweet that's great that we both did it at yeah. the same time I, well, it's, I mean it inspires you to do it you I have feel, to do it i feel inspired i feel inspired to call uh, yes yeah. so guys we're here we're back it's 2019 it's talking knives out here on the popcorn talk network i'm ben bateman here joined by andrew guy what's up everybody we are action industries this is action movie anatomy we got ryan nelson up in the booth ryan how's your thanksgiving thanksgiving was just wonderful got to see the fam got back to delaware Mm. saw a bunch of movies oh yeah what'd you see a ton of things i watched a bunch of stuff on the flight okay story four this movie called miss purple this movie called columbus that came out a few years ago Mm. and uh and also shazam again yeah it's good which is a christmas movie I forgot. Oh, yeah. That's actually a good point. It's so weird how Shazam kind of came and went for me. Like, it was such a big deal. Everyone saw it. We all loved it. It was great. And then no one's talked about it since. But then people go back and like, oh, it's my favorite movie 2019. But I keep forgetting that it came out this year. That was this year? It was this year. No. It was March. Shazam came out this year. I went to the premiere. It was awesome. Literally, I haven't seen it on anybody's top ten lists. I know. I hadn't even considered it for mine. It's great. Uh, it's a very good movie. Okay, so you watched... What, what else did you... What, what new movies did you watch, Ryan? Well, I saw Knives Out uh, a few days before I left for break. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, we're covering today. I absolutely adored it. I think it's one of the best movies of the year. And I was just kind of getting caught up on a few films. There's this new film called Miss Purple that no one's even heard of that uh, I saw from iTunes. And it was, it was great. Um, just a little small indie like that. And... Yeah, I mean, those were all... I saw five movies over break, so that was great. A wow. few things on Netflix. I watched Irishman as well. And? Okay. What'd you think? What'd you think I about Irishman? I loved The Irishman. Wow. I think, although, I didn't wow. finish it in one sitting. Yeah. I need to watch it. Which is times. weird to say you like a movie so much when you can't finish it in one sitting. It's too long. It's too long. This movie, however, was not too long. This movie moved through very, very, very well. Very quickly, yeah. And I think on... Because we each watched it twice. Yep. We, we saw a screener about... God, what is it? Almost a month ago now? Over, probably. And and so we we knew we had to watch it again. So you took your family. I took my girlfriend. Um, <clears throat> sounds like we had a better time than you guys did upon viewing. I enjoyed. I mean, I really loved this movie the first time. We're going to get into all of our yeah. thoughts about it, positives and negatives. But uh, it was interesting watching it together the first time, mm-hmm. and then it was interesting watching it with other people that are not you know consistent movie watchers as much uh, the second time. It's always interesting to rewatch or watch a who done it. For the second time as well, when you know the twists, yeah, which I think also, if you guys are just joining us, which you probably are because we just started, there will be a lot of spoilers in this episode. We'll talk about the whole thing. If you haven't seen Knives Out, this is not the episode to watch for you. Tune in later after you have gone to see the movie, which you should see. It's it's a really really great movie, and one of the things that's so important about this movie, and such a wonderful thing about this movie, is that it's an original script and original concept from a director, from an auteur, for somebody Mm -hmm. who that uh, decided to make a movie, wanted to make this movie. He got the budget to make this movie, which uh, was like $40 million, I think, is what it cost. Yeah, we'll talk about yeah. that a little later. But, like, the $40 million sort of uh, mid-level indie, it's not an indie because it has a budget. And a massive cast. I mean, not that that makes it indie, but it is But compared of. to a lot of the stuff that's coming out around it, $40 million is not very much money. And these are exactly the kind of movies that studios don't make anymore. And the only reason that 
it got made is because of the success that Ryan Johnson has had in his career and this massive, massive cast that was behind it. And the truth of the matter is if you get an Avenger in your movie, it'll probably get made. So if you yes. get Chris Evans on board, I think if you get, if let's just say Chris Evans is like Joe Schmo actor who has been in a few things, who's up and coming. He's not an Avenger. They just, they just don't make this movie. I don't yeah. Do you think, I think that it's a combination <clears throat> of a couple things. I think it's, Ryan Johnson doing his thing right now, proving that yep. people enjoy watching his movies. James Bond is about to have another movie. Yep. And the Avengers just finished with Chris Evans. Yeah. So it's like all these things, this trifecta has made it so that this movie could do as well as it did because <clears throat> these aren't the type of movies that get made anymore, and when they do, they don't make a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. If you say Daniel Craig and Chris Evans, I think you get people's attention enough to get this movie made and get it the budget that it got. Uh probably could have spent more on it but they didn't need to it looks great for what it is and as one of the things we know about ryan johnson is he's aware to he's he's able to use a smaller budget uh and do a great job so anyway guys this is action movie anatomy we uh we cover action movies on this show those action movies generally adhere to four basic rules rule number one the hero always plays by their own rules now this movie kind of fits outside the general sort of track that our show usually is 100 percent. who is i mean who's the hero is it anna Mm -hmm. it's got to be anna de armas and it's got to be just her no benoit blanc because he feels like a hero too. I mean, he's uh, <clears throat> it's like he's an accomplice, but she's the hero. She's the person you're she's rooting the true for. Hero. Yeah, you know, she's the person you want to see win. Rule number two: the hero and the villain are always the smartest people, beings, things, dinosaurs in the room. Definitely. I mean, uh, on some level, she's the smartest person in the room because she's getting away with everything she's getting away with. And as things go on, I love the moment she has with Walt in the hallway outside yeah. of her apartment, where he's like, you know, with our resources, yeah. you know, we, we, we could help you. This doesn't even need to come to light. Yeah, she's like, so you're saying with your resources yeah. that I now have. So with my resources, yeah. and he's like, ah, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> so, he's so good. He's so, I love watching a feeble Michael Shannon. He's amazing. It's so good. Uh, rule number three, the movie is driven by police, military, political, or mercenary figure. Uh, nope. And rule number four, the movie contains a minimum of one explosion. There is an exploding building. There, they, he, uh... there is an exploding building. That's very true. And, you know, Benoit Blanc and the police are there. It's Again, if they're kind of all a joint hero, but... Yeah, not completely. Um, it's it's become kind of the norm for us to do movies that are not directly in the wheelhouse of the original action movie Anatomy, but more so movies that make us feel a certain way that we get excited about, or just that are really, really awesome movies to talk about. And I think the cast has a big thing, a big yeah. part of it. This was one of the re- that's one of the things that you and I pay a lot of attention to. Um, I do have a funny story on that to talk about in just a second. I think it's actually on that point. But before I do, I want to give a qu- couple quick shout outs. We've yep. got Anthony Heald and Jordan Davis. Those are patrons. New member shout outs in the Action Army, as well as there's one other patron on here that I do want to shout out. We have a brand new general in the Action Army. That's Ooh, Jason yeah. Lasky. Jason Lasky, who is a big-time supporter of what we do. Jason, thank you so much. Obviously, Anthony <clears throat> and Jordan, thank you so much. So, guys, thank you for your support. I, I, I was arguing with my older brother. My older brother, who's been on this show before, you guys may remember, he came on for The Matrix, Matrix yeah. a few years ago. Um, I grew up loving movies. My dad and my brother wanted me to watch movies, and so... Um, you know, I watch way more movies than either of them have ever watched. In doing this for a living, it's, it's it feels like we we have just done that more than anyone else out there, other than the people in our space. Yeah, it, it's really <clears throat> difficult for anybody to like. It's but, difficult to ha- to like really be able to cons- not not talk about like as though you know movies because everybody has is, is entitled to their opinion. But, but to actually watch as many as we do is is the, pretty impossible. The frame of reference is difficult for people who don't work in the space to compete with because they don't see everything and we see just about everything. And so. Yeah. Um, my brother and I were arguing, and he was like, well, your, your opinion is not even objective. You only like one kind of movie. You have a show called Action Movie Anatomy. You have, and I was like, 
Well, he, he of all people should know. Yeah, and I was like, well, you don't obviously pay any attention to what I do because right. if you'd watched our last year of the show, you'd we know. specifically mentioned that we don't cover direct action movies. We really cover more, like, non-action movies, or at least half at this point, really. I mean, this is definitely not an action movie. If we, yeah. I think if we looked at our roster of our last 52 movies, I'll bet you 50% of them are not action movies. 100%. Yeah, so I think I thought that was funny, but... Um, we covered Prisoners for God's sakes. Yeah, people do for think... For you. <laughs> but people do think because of the name Action... Yeah our, yeah. our dumb 25-year-old fratty sense of humor that thought that branding ourselves associated with 90s action movies was going to be the smartest thing for our it's brand. Worked out great. <laughs> it's worked out great. It's worked out great. One of us could win a fucking Nobel Prize and people would still think we were douchebags. Like, look at these idiots. It doesn't action matter. Action idiots. Um, anyway, so coming up today on the show, guys, we are going to do a classic recast of yeah. this film. We're going to talk about if this movie was made in the 80s and 90s, kind of with the, the, the stars that we grew up watching. Uh, who would you cast if this movie was made in that 20 years ago kind of range and in the key roles in the movie? We're looking forward to that. We're going to be talking thesis statement, fist pump moment, all the various games that we play on this show. Be sure to like, subscribe, comment here on Popcorn Talk Network. Leave your thoughts. You can follow along with what we're doing. If you want to follow me, you can find me at Ben Bateman Media. You guys can find me at Andrew Guy. You can find the show at Team Action Show on Twitter. There was a uh, post made today earlier about Knives Out asking if you guys were able to figure out who the murderer was. Very curious about that. And then, of course, you guys can find us online at patreon.com slash team action. Those are the people we started off Excuse me. Shouted out at the top of the show, and uh, yeah, that's where Jason was able to become a general. We'll do a little bit more of the uh, the Patreon, the Schmodown talk a little later on the show because mm-hmm. there is some pretty exciting stuff this week. But I do Big stuff. I do have something that I think is pretty cool to share with you guys here, those of you that have been with us for a long time, uh, that that know that action industries and and building action industries and the brand of action it comes from here. This is where it started. Action was first on this bill. Yep. Uh, I went on Entertainment Tonight's live streaming service for the second time this last week, um, ET Live. It's a 24-hour streaming service. And uh, the subject was to talk about Black Superman because there was a report that Michael B. Jordan may be uh, cast as Superman in the near future. I watched this in the bathroom. Yeah, and they introduced me as uh, Ben Bateman of Action Industries. It was the end, so- And they said, thank you, that was Ben Bateman, founder of Action Industries. I was on ET, and Action Industries was on Entertainment Tonight. It so was so cool. It was it wild. It was so cool to see it. Action Industries has been on ET. Action Industries has interviews with Jerry B. and Morgan, Morgan Freeman. Freeman yeah. Jada Pinkett Smith? No. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, mm-hmm. we did. Danny Houston. Danny Houston. He talked about Viagra. Danny Houston. Yeah, so that that was actually really awesome. So if you guys haven't seen that, I think you can still go and find it online. Uh, It's tough, ET Live. It's 24 hours of content every day, so it gets backlogged. I I was trying to get the clip from them so I could have it, but um, we'll see if it actually happens. Yeah, and the last thing that we do want to shout out, uh, just a big, big salute to Emma McAllister, our fallen comrade who we lost this last week. Uh, Dollface, we love you, we will miss you, and we appreciate everything that you did for Action Industries. There's, uh, you'll just always be a part of us. You really yeah. will. So let's get into the show. Let's get into Knives Out, a movie that I actually feel Emma would have loved. I think so, too. Um, <clears throat> let's start off with our thesis statement. Yeah, so thesis statement is kind of your biggest, boldest thought about the film. It's the thing that when you walk out of it, it's just like, this is how I feel. It's the greatest, the first, the only, the, the, the last. It should never just sort of be, you know, I really like Daniel Craig's accent. I think he did a great job. I, I think that's it's a great opinion. It's just it's not definitive enough. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go second. I'm gonna go second. <laughs> Accent's uh, sweet. Uh, so sometimes they're really bold. CSI, KFC. You know, see, yeah, some good <laughs> it's lines. a good line. Yeah, but uh, I, I walked out of this and I started thinking because I've liked Ryan Johnson's career a lot. But uh, this is the best Ryan Johnson movie. Is my thesis statement. He's one of my favorite directors working now. Okay, so we've got Looper. We've got The Last Jedi. Those would be the two that I think have the strongest. In this, 
argument to compete with this because uh-huh. a lot of, i i love last jedi a lot of people hate that movie yeah i like i like last but, jedi as well uh, i really enjoy it and and i think it's great and so uh also i love looper i think looper's great and i, I i'm a fan of brick um i even like the brothers bloom to be honest i is that the really yeah. you like that movie it's that the oliver platt one no 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 that's the, i'm not sure that's the, brothers that's something else what is what the is brothers the bloom is adrian brody and mark ruffalo and Rachel oh, Weiss, right right right, right. follow yeah brick. It's a quirky little movie. It's not like my favorite movie, but it's enjoyable. It has some funny stuff, and it has artistic choices that are enjoyable because he's a smart director. Oh yeah, and he directed those insane episodes of uh, Breaking Bad. Of Breaking Bad. Yeah. Does, does he did, did he do Osmodeus? Yeah, he did. Right. He did yeah. that the fly one where it's yeah. just the fly flying around yeah, in fifty one. Right. Yeah, they're so good. Um, <clears throat> it's his best. Okay, all right. I. It's his best film. I mean, that's what I that that feels to me like. Uh, I feel pretty confidently. I feel like that's correct. And feels pretty down the middle. Feels right. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, Looper, I think, is close, but it's also one of those things where you I bet you can go back and kind of pick things apart. It's one of his newer movies. Um it's, this movie feels like a director that is just feeling himself, getting the cast he wants, getting the the money he wants, just getting to do exactly what he wants. Um, like you said, you know, he wrote and he directed it, and we don't get a lot of that anymore, so it makes sense that he'd kind of knock it out of the park. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's clever, it's original, it's unique, and it just feels like you can even tell when you're watching the movie from the first ten minutes, like the color scheme, the design of the house, all the imagery they show. I love how much of the stuff was designed for the movie, like all yeah. Harlan Thrombey's books. And oh, all even of- just the beginning, just the shots of the of, of the dogs running yeah. in the fog of the mansion and yeah. you're like yes yeah. Oh, this is exactly where a murder mystery needs to happen is in this place yeah 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 with this and, setting so. and I loved they had random b-roll shots throughout the movie where it's like something serious would happen and then it would cut to a statue of a gargoyle and then like the living room hall and yeah. then the next scene yeah and it, just to give context and I think that's really really brilliant directing um, so we got a couple thesis statements here. James Spence says, Chris Evans' character is the perfect example of how a red herring could be false. He was so obvious that you block him out as a killer. And so the surprise is still pretty palpable. Yeah. And I agree. I think we all, when you hear Ransom, you hear he's a piece of shit, all these things, argues with the grandfather, leaves, you're like, oh, it's going to be him. And then halfway through, you're like, oh my God, he's cool. Yeah. He's actually a cool guy. He's cool, right? Of course, Evans can pull that off yeah. beautifully. Yeah, of course. <clears throat> and I love it when you go back and you watch it again and you think about Benoit Blanc breaking down Chris Evans' thought pattern at yeah. the diner. Yeah. And yeah. you realize he's actually doing some pretty good acting. Yeah. He really is. Um, so we also got here uh, Richard Eric Jarvie. He says that Knives Out is a movie for all generations. I feel like it was very traditional, but also very smart and fresh. Could recommend this to a 16 or an 85-year-old, and they'd love it. I, I, I told my whole family to go watch it. I, I really feel like everyone would enjoy this movie. Yeah, I think for me, you know, I expected my family to enjoy this more than they did. Mm-hmm. My brother sort of notoriously hates movies now. He just, like, he, he's really cynical, and he just has a hard time, uh, I think, just appreciating. Just, like, enjoying good movies? I guess so. It's 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 weird that he does. Um, I think it's... It's like funny because I grew up and I remember like he was really critical of movies and I just was like, oh, that's what that's smart awesome. movie fans. Yeah, yeah. That's if you're smart about movies. But I also think, and my mom is just, she just doesn't watch enough movies to really like, a movie like this is like a little, she'll call it too esoteric. It's just like too nuanced. It's not like obvious enough. I have a feeling that my mom is just going to get confused, unfortunately. But yeah, she, my mom I, felt that's that was what hard I really to follow. Think. Uh, I hope not, but... Um... No. It's one of those things where it's like, I wish I was there to watch it with her to kind of guide her through it, but then also if I was there watching it with her, I'd want to pull my hair out. Love yeah. You, love you, Mom. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good example of the difference between Ford, like our two sources were Ford Ferrari in this. Yeah. And, you know, obviously we had already covered Ford, so I leaned into this because I wanted to see it again, but it's like I do have to think my mom would have probably enjoyed Ford Ferrari more because it's a 
much it's cooler, much simpler and, movie. Yeah, it's, yeah. You're, it's not a, it's not convoluted. There, it does get a little convoluted. This movie in, around like two thirds of the way in, I think, around the time that Fran and you find her. And yeah, and you got to kind of figure out exactly the the whole thing with the toxicology report and why he blows it up and yeah. what's going on. There's also one <clears throat> thing, and it's interesting that they didn't catch this because I caught it both times I watched the movie. Okay, so what is it? early on in the film. There's they're at the they're at the dinner party uh-huh. and they're all talking and uh, you've got Anna de Armas and she's talking and she's every, everybody you know whatever Don Johnson's doing his thing where he's like come here let me talk to you about immigration yeah um, or maybe in fact that's maybe the second one that's I think at the memorial that happens the, no it happens at the at the memorials when she has the flashback to it happening at the dinner party so those two scenes the 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 dinner party with the arguing and the memorial being them cutting back and forth between those two scenes. Uh-huh. Too both confusing. times I found it to be confusing because both times I was like, why is she upset? And she's having a stomach ache. She's going to fall over, but right. he's not even murdered yet. I was like, oh, this is the memorial. This isn't the dinner party. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. both times because the lighting is kind of similar. It's all the same characters. You really have to be paying attention to what everyone's wearing. It's like the mood and the wearing. It's like, yeah, the tone and, and the costume design is but like specifically it. But you're having to focus on so many conversations. That's yeah. what you're really paying attention to. You're not really paying attention to the set design. To understand what's going on in the movie, this is watching it twice. I found myself getting caught for a second both times. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's one of the only things in the movie that I was like, if I'm somebody who doesn't watch a lot of movies. Just do it night and day or something yes. like that. If I'm somebody who doesn't watch a lot of movies, this might throw me off so much early on that I'm like, I'm so confused. I don't know yeah. what's happening. That's interesting. That's an interesting point because last night I did have a hiccup. Yeah. Or not, or not last night, but when I did watch it, I was like, oh, uh, oh. Yeah, yeah, I did that thing. Um <clears throat> so what I there's a couple of things that I kind of figured out about this. One of them, yeah, I'll lead with the first one, which is <clears throat> I believe Knives Out is the best whodunit ever made. I truly do. Dope. Over both Murders on the Orient Express, over Clue, over Gosford Park, over whatever other murder uh, whodunits there are. Let me know what because like I watch, <clears throat> I watch Wind River. It's not a whodunit. Yeah, you know, it's yep. a crime thriller, a crime drama. Yep, doesn't feel like a whodunit. Now, the other thesis I had is that the reason that I can call this the best whodunit of all time is because usually the the number one for everyone is Clue. And I've realized when I was sitting back thinking about this thesis that this also made me realize that the end of Clue makes it not the greatest whodunit of all time. Well, I've never seen Clue, Murder on the Orient Express, the remake of Orient Express, right. or Gosford Park, so I've literally never seen any of those movies. So, so, what I'm, so at the end of Clue, they famously have a bunch of different endings that they show you in sequence and they all could happen. So it's like the movie ends at a point and then it's like from this point on a, B, C, D, E, or F can happen. Yeah. And they show you all of them. It takes away from the movie for me because if I watch knives out and knives out ends and it's like, or it could have been this, or it could have been this it takes away from the gravity of what it actually is. Like, it doesn't feel like that the story was tightly constructed to only be the one reality where everything makes sense. It has to perfectly line up. So I realized, well, if if Knives Out's the greatest whodunit of all time, it has to be Clue. Well, I love Clue. I love Clue so much. There's so much of why Knives Out is even good is because of Clue. Right. The nuanced characters, the the comedy, just the quirkiness, all the things. the, 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 The quirkiness of Benoit Blanc is directly related to Tim Curry's butler. But... Again, Knives Out takes itself so seriously at the end when he's talking about her being, you are a good nurse. Yeah. 
it's almost like he's tearing up. And yeah. I almost teared up both times for yeah. some reason. Yeah. He's like, your good heart, all these things. It's so it takes itself so seriously that if at the end you're like, or it could have been these other three options. Right. It it just isn't as good. Whereas this, I'm just like, perfect. Right. It's I mean perfect. Gone Girl works so well because up until the point that it cuts to Amy in the car, starting and she starts explaining how it all worked and how she set everything up, you're totally in the dark. You don't understand what happened. Right. You're totally wondering what the hell's going on, and then she starts to explain it. And that's it's it's the beauty of it is truly the beauty of like a thriller, of a crime movie, of a you know a mystery. That's it's it's you if it's done well and it's set up well, the first hour of the movie you should be scratching your head. You shouldn't yes. really know what's going on, and when it starts to get revealed. It's every director who's doing that. It's the thing that they're probably the most excited about yeah. is the reveal. And it, <clears throat> and for me, watching it with Ashley, knowing already what had happened, it was so amazing to see her and the people around us. You would see them lean forward. And they'd lean forward for like 20 minutes at a time. Yeah, yeah. Just trying to soak everything in. And yeah. then there would be the cut of comedy and they would be able to like... Oh, thank God. Okay, let me lean back for a minute. And then they'd start to drop in more nuggets or like another twist. And then they'd lean forward again. It was so cool. I'd see this whole row of people I was sitting in. And I was able to just sit back and kind of be like, I saw a screener of this. Yeah. But people <laughs> leaning forward, you'd be like, damn, people are so engaged in yeah. this movie. Yeah, right, right, right. So, all right, guys, we are going to continue <clears throat> moving on through the show. We're going to get to the next bit, which is fist pump moment. This is the moment something happens in the movie. You're just kind of like, are you seeing this right now? This is so good. I'm so excited. Yeah. You get hyped. You want to call your buddy? You got to watch this movie. You got to watch this movie. This is the reason. This is the part. Um, do you have one? I do. I actually have a couple. Um, I think I really. I saw Garth McMurray, I believe, right in the chat, and he's saying my favorite is the shot at the very end of the movie. And for me, I love it. Like, if you want to talk about finding depth and speaking on social, you know, issues in there, you've got an immigrant that came. Her mother came to the country illegally, and now she is standing over and looking down at. We're the god. We're the thrombies, goddammit. And they're all looking up at her, and she's looking down at them with a coffee mug. It's so brilliantly shot. They say so much without saying anything. Yeah. Jamie Lee Curtis's look is brilliant. I love it. Uh, the other thing that I love so much is... Are you hearing that? Yeah, is it mine? Are you on airplane? I'm on airplane. Um, the other thing that I love so much... Me too. Is it, <laughs> is it the very <laughs> middle of the movie when you finally see... Onto the Armistice's point of view of what happened. Yeah. And Christopher Plummer, and they're freaking out, and he trips her, and he's, you know, she's like, what is wrong with you? You're crazy. And then he says these things, it stops, and she goes, tell me what I have to do. Yeah. And you're like, yes! Well, yeah, Here we go. I especially like, I, it's, so I have a very similar uh, fist pump moment. Okay. For me, it's not exactly when that happens. It's literally when Benoit Blanc says... Take me back through the events of what happened, and he flips the coin. Oh, and it flashes back, and you're like, and he gives you a ten minute flashback. And this is like, I'm about to get what? I'm about to get some. Like I've been waiting. I yeah. know. But I said that was one. I think the other one too, because we watched it in the theater in the press screening. We saw maybe a month, month and five weeks ago. I think the other one, if it's not that initial one, is when they, he starts interviewing all the people. Mm -hmm. And uh, everybody's getting there a little bit. <laughs> yeah, and he's hitting the piano key and. Uh, and uh, which which <clears throat> character says it? But it's the character's like, well, who the fuck is that? Yeah, I think it might be Don Johnson who says it. Yeah, it's Don Johnson. Yeah. Uh, I think Jamie Lee Curtis inquires about yeah. it. But then Don Johnson who goes, this? who the fuck is that? Yeah. <laughs> and, so and I, I, oh my god, yeah. you're like famous. And she says, I read it. She says so much. She I read, read a tweet about your. <laughs> I read a tweet about a New Yorker article about you. <laughs> and then the next thing is Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, I read your New Yorker article. Yeah. It's so like those small little adjustments in writing. 
brilliant. It's what makes the movie so good. I yes. think so those interviews, like that's when I leaned over you and I was like, this movie's great. It's so good. Because I just love all the characters. I love, yeah, I mean, what, what's, what's the, uh, Don Johnson says, he's like, well, every boy idolizes their father, right? And he's like, I don't know, do they? He's like, very much not. Very much not. I don't not. know why I, don't know I said why that. I, said that. <laughs> <laughs> I Tony Collette is incredible. In she's the best actor in the movie based off of what she does with so little. Yeah. She steals every moment she's in cuz yeah. she's so hilarious and then like her scene with um uh with Plummer yeah. when you figure out what happened. She's just yeah, I don't know. She's I, in I, general a pretty great <clears throat> actress. Did you ever yeah, see She's very good. It, is it the way way back? It is right because she's she's definitely in Little Miss <clears throat> Sunshine. Yes, yeah. she's the mom. She's the mom in the way way back. That movie is fantastic. Really, you I haven't never, seen it. Uh, when I met Rockwell, that's the movie I talked to him about. I, I remember I met him at like a thing once, just briefly, and I just remember I had just seen it. I had just seen it like a month earlier. And it's great. And yeah, and I just remember saying to him, "Look, man, I just you know I just watched the way way back, and, I, and as well as you have a great career, but that movie like really spoke to me and you were amazing. And he's like, Oh, thank you so much for saying so, man. You know, it's cool. Well, yeah, he, you love that movie. It's fantastic. Brian, do you have a, uh, do you have a fist pump, Brian? We can't, we skipped over, but I want to know what your fist pump is before we get into Ben's thesis. My or, I mean, f- yes, you know what I'm saying? I Ben's have a fist, fist pump. pump. Uh-huh. I have a fist pump. Um, <laughs> my fist pump for this would probably be, I think right towards the beginning of the movie. And I know we, you already mentioned it, but when, uh, Daniel Craig, speaks i didn't know he had a draw oh and i was like draw. my jaw w- dropped i was <laughs> shocked and like just so excited like, oh we're getting this performance out of daniel craig because he's always you know bond he's he yeah. never gets to really go out all out we, we've seen it in like maybe one or two movies but i was just so excited when he started talking like that and he kills it he it crushed takes, it it takes two minutes yeah. before you stop paying attention because he's first, so committed to it. The first two minutes, <clears throat> you hear a couple. There's a couple like words. Some of some of his first words, where I'm like, "Is that accurate? Is or am, is this a bad accent?" Like yeah. right at the beginning, you're like, "Is this working?" I'm not sure if this is working. Within two minutes, you're in, and then you don't think about it again. Nope. Yeah, you're so, just you're just on board. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I totally agree. So yeah, for me, it's I think my fist pump is when the coin flips. And you start there. It's either that or it's, the, it's those initial interviews. Because I love those initial interviews. Honestly, the first 20 or 30 of this movie is some of my favorite stuff in the movie. Oh, it's it's perfect. I, it moves so well. You get the introduction you want of everyone. You're laughing. You get the murder. Everything's so well placed in the beginning. Yeah, totally agree. So, all right, guys, we're going to continue moving through the show here, talk a little bit about career profile, some of these guys. Daniel Craig's three most recent films before this are Kings, 2017, Logan Lucky, 2017, Inspector, 2015. He's kind of had the thing happen now where uh, he has been in James Bond mode for a few years. Um, aside, I would say, basically, Logan Lucky was a pretty significant release, um, but that's yeah. after Spectre, which at the time was considered maybe his last James Bond role. And then you have, obviously, Girl uh, with the Dragon Tattoo back in 2011 was probably so the good. other... That's like his other sort of major role that's not a Bond movie during that time. He's successfully done it pretty well. Um, I did <clears> see <throat> Kings. Kings is a movie about the L.A. riots uh, with Halle Berry. It's a pretty good movie. It's not great, but good. I never saw Logan Lucky. People like that movie. I... Kind, I think I watched part of it and I didn't finish it. I need to, I need to go watch, back and watch it again because I know people do really like it. You would love like, it. You yeah. both would love that movie. Okay, that's what everyone tells us. So it's, I, it's Soderbergh. I mean, and, yeah. and, and Soderbergh when he has a good cast usually does a pretty damn good job. So, you know, what movie I was thinking about the other day. Did you ever watch Contagion? <sighs> 
Contagion. I think I did. Soderbergh. I think I just from watched like the once. Twenty eleven. Yeah. Saw it on an airplane. Yeah. Pretty enjoyable movie. I've never wanted to go back and rewatch it, but I looked the trailer up and I was like, oh, this movie was probably better than I remember. Yeah, I don't really remember it at all. Uh, Chris Evans' three most recent films before this: The Red Sea Diving Resort, twenty nineteen. Has that come out? Did that come out? I, I, I'm looking it up. Never I, even heard of it. Maybe it's, I feel like Anna de Armas should really be the secondary. Uh, yeah, lead. Avengers Endgame and Avengers Infinity War being his previous two films. Then Anna <clears> de Armas we mentioned. Wasp Network 2019, The Informer 2019, and Blade Runner 2049. Now The Informer is a movie with Brian Cranston, I believe. Right? Yeah, I believe so. The Informant? Um, or is the, no, no, the, that's the one with Joel uh, Kinnaman and Rosamund Pike. The Informer is. Yeah. Oh, okay, so I so I don't. I didn't watch The Informer, didn't watch Wasp Network, did see Blade Runner 2049. She is extraordinary and incredibly memorable in Blade Runner 2049. <clears throat> I've also seen her Knock Knock, <laughs> Keanu Reeves. Terror, that's not a good really movie. good horror movie. Uh, yeah, Ana de Armas is, uh, is a fascinating, fascinating individual. Um, and when we get to our recast, I think I have someone that I think will fit perfectly in for who she is. She is a femme fatale but also the sweetest, like, most innocent girl next door. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's one of the things that's really interesting about her. And I actually think she's a pretty good actress. I don't know if she's a great actress, but I think she's pretty good. Uh, and I'm excited to see what she does in her career. I love, I love Ina de Armas. And I think her, I, I think she is so perfectly cast in this movie. Yeah, I think she's wonderful in this movie as well. <clears throat> it, it works. The, the gag about where she's from is funny. Yeah, Thank the gag of, about uh, Uruguay, Brazil. Paraguay. Paraguay, all yeah. that. I, <clears throat> I... I realized when I was watching this in the theater the second time, I was wondering how the crowd was going to react. Because in the press screener, yeah. press screeners are always some of the best screeners to go to. I don't, it's it's surprising because so many of those people will probably write negative things about the movie. Yeah. But they're also there to have a good time. Right. In a, it's so, like, in the press screener, you got laughs out of the audience within the first minute of the movie. Yeah. Um, when I went, it took about 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah. Honestly, before we got the first laugh. So... When they introduced her puking when she lies, I was really, really curious to see how people were going to respond. If they thought it was going to be stupid or too far-fetched. Because it's it's such a peculiar, like, this type of movie thing yeah. to have. Yeah. Um, but they loved it. But I, I was really... I was really worried they weren't going to because I, I even saw Ashley's face kind of like really when she did it because it's such a it's not real it's not a real thing. Let me ask you a question, and this is and then, <clears throat> on the subject of all the stuff with Paraguay and Uruguay and like that whole gag. Okay, so I'm I'm obviously like a white male, like yeah. grew up you know Seattle. I so there's a there's an element to the whole like poking fun at dumb white people that I think is funny mm-hmm. and makes me feel like on some level I'm a dumb white person even though I don't feel that way. Right. I okay. still realize that, that is the case, right? So you have her character who, God, look at that. I mean, just just stunning. Um, yeah. You have her character in this movie who is she's like the hired help basically. Mm-hmm. You know, and she's she's a nurse uh, and she's taking care of Christopher Plummer. But she's an immigrant. Her mom's illegally there, right? So she's very much in like a like a subservient role to this white family. That's like her role. Yeah. You obviously are played sports. We have all, we've had all the same jobs. Like I feel like I. In no way do I feel like our relationship is different based on the fact that I'm white and you are not white, if that makes any sense. Okay. So when you're watching this movie, do you relate to her character as these dumb white people? Or do you think of yourself more as them and, like, do you know what I'm saying? Do you yeah. see the question I'm asking? Yeah, what, yeah. what role as an audience member do you find yourself taking? Um, <clears throat> I'm trying to see if I'm going to just, like, bury myself here right I, now. I was hoping I didn't bury myself yeah. when I just asked the question. No, so. no, I, I totally get what you're saying. Uh, I mean... I think it's kind of just a cultural thing now where we we 
as a society kind of just laugh at how white people are so white yeah, and right, like the white right, things right, that they do. Right, yeah. Um, and it's funny cause I grew up in Salem, Oregon. So it's like, I didn't even really understand the context until I got a little older, went to yeah, college yeah. and came down to LA. Uh, I would have to say, I definitely relate more to Ana de Armas's character. Yeah, okay. I really do. And, and, uh, <clears throat> cause it's like, I, people always ask me like, what are you? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, like what are you? <laughs> That's the most articulate way you can ask what my ethnicity is. Is what are you? I'm a fucking human being. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like so. I don't know. I, I, I. That's why I loved the whole Uruguay, Brazil, Paraguay. A, thing, it was a really it's good guy. So, so funny. And People like, would do that all the time with with me. They, they, they all the time growing up. They'd be like, "He's Indian." Uh, which one again? The daughter, the feather. <laughs> like the daughter, the feather. Okay, all right. This is the game we're playing. Well, I mean, and then and then Don Johnson's whole thing that he does when he's like, oh, God. "See, this is how you do it. You come to you come to America. You do it the right way. You work hard. You know, uh, it's like because it's not legal, Joni. As they he's like broke eating. the law, and then he hands, hands her the." <laughs> worst oh he's so good at that role though i know i love i love him i want more don johnson in my life because he's from like chips right or whatever or originally uh uh he's originally from miami vice miami vice yeah and the funny thing about don johnson and this is one of the greatest things this is like one of the greatest things that happened is like you go one of two ways when you're that guy like if you're that guy who was like a heartthrob and you're in your 20s and you manage to sort of like age really 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 well and you can get into your 50s and 60s as a man and play just an older version. I mean, Clooney is a good example. Clooney, mm-hmm. like, basically broke out in his 20s, but he's, like, just as suave and dapper now. And he, can kind he's, of just... he's grown in that part, department just as he's gotten older. He just looks like the older, more, you know, gray-haired version of himself. Yeah. But, you know, Don Johnson, you know, he's put a little more weight on. He doesn't look as leading man as he once did. So Don Johnson gets to play, like, an asshole husband now who's, yeah. like, a supporting character. He's more of a character actor than he was back on Miami, Miami Vice. And, like... Uh-huh. He fits that role really well. He's really enjoyable in this role. Oh, he, you just believe everything about him. Yeah. Everything yeah. about him from the racism to cheating on his wife to just being like this guy that just married into family money. Totally. Yeah. I mean, he even started to make the transition to asshole like in Tin Cup in the mid-90s. Like, he's the, he's the he's basically the bad guy in Tin Cup. I could not tell you three movies that Don Johnson's been in. He's, I mean, he hasn't had a big I can tell you two now career. because of Knives Out and Tin Cup. I mean, I, if, if I had to try to go and name others, I know Django is the other obvious one that comes to mind for me. He's, oh, yeah. Yeah, one of the KKK guys. He's like yeah, the leader of the group. Yeah, yeah. That's like the other one. Right, right. <clears throat> the other main one. But uh, anyway, so guys, those are going to be the career profiles of these characters. Let's hope that our conversation about uh, race and who I identify with doesn't get clipped on the internet. Yeah, hopefully that doesn't offend anybody. <laughs> Ryan is already offended. He's already going to be talking Ryan's to us. He's already out of the booth. <laughs> um, all right. I'm back. He's, he's back. <laughs> he's back. So uh, we are going to get into production development here. Knives Out was announced September 2018 with Daniel Craig starring. It was sold to distributors during the 2018 TIFF Festival. Principal photography began October 30th in Boston, wrapped December 20th, and it had its world premiere this year at TIFF in September. So September 7th it aired, and we must have seen this movie a month later? Yeah, I believe so. Um, <clears throat> after making Break in 2005, Ryan Johnson had decided that he really, really wanted to make Knives Out, and he wanted to do it after he finished Looper, <clears throat> and he wanted it to be a lot like the traditional Agatha Christie, you know, whodunits, which is why you get a lot of the feeling in this with the characters and, and honestly just really, really great storytelling. Obviously, he wasn't able to do it after Looper because The Last Jedi came in, but if he didn't do The Last Jedi, he wouldn't have been able to make this movie. He no. need, I mean, even though people didn't love Last Jedi, mainly Star Wars fans, I think it's still a smashing success, honestly. I think it it's still pretty high-rated and made a bunch of money. Um, 
And like you said earlier on, Ryan Johnson's kind of notorious for doing a lot with a little. He had amazing cast, not having a lot of money. $40 million is nothing nowadays. Uh, Ram Bergman was the uh, Israeli film producer who partnered with him on this. He worked with him on Brick Looper and Star Wars as well. So it's just, kind of just a good team. They're just working, working together, making movies. And I think it's important for a director like Ryan Johnson, you have a producer like that who you have a relationship with. You've had that relationship for a long time. He sees the value in the work you do, and he's willing to support you in making movies like Brick and Looper as well as, obviously, you probably bring him on to The Last Jedi and then, you know, Knives Out. Uh, not that I know intimately the, the details of his relationship to Ram Bergman, but yeah. the fact that he worked with him on Brick when he was effectively a nobody – all the way through Star Wars and to this movie means that there's there's a vision there. There's a vision there with that producer who have seen what Ryan Johnson was capable of to stick with him. So um, we talk a little bit of uh, critical and box office with this film. It was released by Lionsgate. Budget was $40 million. Opened at November 27th, 2019. So far, the movie has made 41.7 domestic, another mm-hmm. 28.3 foreign, and a total so far of $70 million, which is great for a movie like this. Yeah, it really is, especially because it's in contention with Frozen 2, yeah. which has already made $287 million yeah. in its one week. Uh, <laughs> you know, about nine times, I can't even do the math, seven times as much as this movie. So, uh, not bad. Beat no. out Ford Ferrari, which I think is great. Yeah, I mean, it's the critical <clears throat> reception on this movie. It's got an 8.1 IMDb. It's got a 93% by all by audience and 96% by top critics. So that's really strong. Uh, you know, people people have given this movie a lot of credit. So before we kind of get into the last pieces of the show, there's a couple things I want to do. We obviously are going to do recast here mm-hmm. in a few minutes. We're going to be recasting the film. I do want to take a quick break to talk a little bit about the movie trivia showdown. Schmodown Corner segment, as we've called it in the past, uh, because I think it's important. I think you yep. and I, you know, we have a couple things going on this week. It's we, a big moment. We, so coming up this week, if you guys don't know, Andrew and I are both in this show called the Movie Trivia Schmodown, and uh, it's uh, it's kind of like pro wrestling meets mo- movie trivia. It's, we play characters. We play characters. I play the greatest character of all time. Yeah, we started out as Team Action. We started out as we came from the Action brand. That was how it started back a few years back. And uh, we were on a team together, and there was a big breakup. We're no longer on a team together. And this season, finally, uh, Andrew and I got to play some matches against each other. Yeah, we played, we played two matches against each other. Uh, one went my way. One went your way. Yes, I mean, <clears throat> one of them was a fair match. The other one wasn't. So Yeah, one of them had a regular wheel that we spin in the studio. We don't have we enough time do. to do this. <laughs> and one of them had a digital wheel that was rigged that yeah. gave you the categories to win. So uh, in the first match, uh, Andrew took, he took the prize. It was his new team that he's currently on. It was their first match. They decided to, to it was supposed to actually not be that. It was supposed to be him and somebody else and me and somebody else, you know, not, our, not our actual official teammates. But then he decided to just Ben's have Ben's partner his, didn't show up. That's not what happened. That's Andrew's, exactly what happened. Andrew's real teammate just walked in and decided to play. So that match happened. Uh, then the second match we played in Houston in a wrestling ring. Um, I knocked out Andrew with a chair after yeah. after beating him handedly. It was incredible. He cheated. It was great. It's a great match you can go watch. Um, Schmidt on Houston. And uh, now we've got uh, the third match coming up this week because Andrew and I are both in the semifinals of the team's tournament. There are 16 teams to begin. There are uh, four teams left in the tournament. Um and on, on our side of the bracket, it's Andrew's team versus my team. The family legi- versus a legitimate who's the boss. team. Since Ben is so adamant that uh, it wasn't legitimate the first time, so we'll be playing. I believe the match drops tomorrow, and uh, we'll be doing a reaction to that match on our Patreon. So you guys are going to want to check that out because it's going to be uh, it's going to be huge. It's it's arguably the biggest rivalry matchup that's ever happened in the Schmodown because of 
the implications. The implications. I mean, it's, it's a big. It's a big match. This is not. This is not an <clears throat> exhibition or just a, a, a grudge match. This is the semifinals of a tournament. The yeah. winner of this match is going to go on to play in the team final of the tournament, and the winner of that is going to be playing at Shmoda and Spectacular this weekend for the belt in Los Angeles. Uh, yeah, exactly. It's December 7th. It's going to be five matches. I'm actually opening the show playing in a, uh, a number one contender match against William Bibiani. And if I meant to take care of business in that match, then I'm going to be playing at the last match of the night, the fifth match, playing for the belt. So uh, it's a possibility that, uh, you know, in our match that drops this week, if I take care of business, uh, that I would actually have the opportunity to play in three matches at the, of the five. It's spectacular. I could be playing in the team's tournament final uh, which would result in obviously a title shot, a singles title shot, as well as the number one contender. A lot so of talking a- about what ifs and maybes from you out of there. You got to beat me tomorrow, and it's never going to happen. You will never beat me with a physical wheel in a fair match. That's I'll enough. beat you to death with a physical wheel. That doesn't seem fair. That doesn't seem healthy either. So if you guys want to hear all the behind-the-scenes reactions to what happens after the match, which you can check out over on the SEN network, uh, check out <coughs> patreon.com slash teamaction. That's where we uh, will do all of our behind-the-scenes reactions. Well. We just put one up for Drew's most recent uh, Drew's most recent match. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's always always good to do those. So get excited. Get hyped. Get your tickets for Schmodown Spectacular. If you're local, if you, uh, I know there's only a couple. There's like 17 tickets yeah, left. Yeah, there's really not that many tickets left. I'm, I'm, I'm really, really happy. It did as well as it did. Sold out the way that it did. Do you have a favorite line? I think probably my favorite line uh, would have to be, I think it's the one I used already about that Don Johnson says about his, about dads. I think it's such a funny line. Uh, very much not. Very much not. Uh, that's really, that's really, really funny. I think the other one too is I really like when Jamie Lee Curtis is like, are you baiting me detective? If you think yeah, you can get rips him. you can get me to talk family business with you yeah. about my baby brother. Yeah. It's the only time she ever talks to him in like a or talks about him in a in a positive way. Um I love the whole donut, whole donut inside of a donut, yeah. but yeah, that's yeah. like that's that's the obvious one. That's the one that everyone goes to. I do have one that stuck with me from early on that Thromby himself says, Plumber. When he's talking to Ana de Armas about Don Johnson cheating. It's when he's looking at the computer. And he says, why do men instinctually pull at least loose threads on their parachutes? I love that line. It's a good line. It's such a good line, and it's so true. Men are such idiots. We always do shit like that. Yeah, it's funny that uh, a line like that, because you wonder, like, what... What big so, so Ryan Johnson has gotten to direct one movie and one big franchise. Mm-hmm. You know he got to do Star Star Wars: The Last Jedi, but it does make you wonder. He's so interested in the cleverness. He's so interested in cleverness. It's, it's so evident. You go back to Brick and like what that movie is. That movie is just pure cleverness. It's like a it's a high school film noir about the hierarchy of high school. Yeah, and he he clearly, I think he's clearly a reader. Yeah, he'll drop authors' names in his movies. Yeah. And be like, oh, is that blank? Right. You know, even if it's just comedy, it's just the type of thing where it's like, okay, I think this guy's a, a well-learned man. Yeah, he likes to make references. He makes a Baby Driver reference in this movie. Mm, um, yep, yep. I think that he probably – I'm trying to think of the franchises. The obvious one that comes to mind is how would he do with a Mission Impossible movie? That's the first one that I imagine. I wonder how he would do with a Mission Impossible movie because he likes all the cleverness and the mystery. Um, but I do think that Ryan Johnson is somebody who they tried applying him to a big franchise and some people really liked it. Some people hated it, but I do wonder if there's a big franchise. If you put this guy involved with, he makes a great, great installment. Like, do you think he'd do well with James Bond? Yeah, definitely. I think he would do real. Is there like a, is there like a James Bond of the future? 
like a Blade Run. You know what I mean? Like that guy, but in the future. Because I think he does really, really well with sci-fi fantasy. Yeah. And if he took the James Bond feel and he tied it with the looperness of like being in the future, yeah. that I would be so on board for. Be pretty badass. Yeah, he likes. He definitely likes those like unique <clears throat> original. Uh, obviously, all of the design, all the set design, the future design in Looper is like it's very, very cool stuff. Yeah, some of the stuff that he really does well job. done. Can and he I, doesn't. Can I throw a quote in yeah, there? Please, go yeah. I, this one I stuck with me. All I was telling people when I went <clears> home. <throat> I've never been to a will reading before. Think of it as a tax return by a community theater. I <laughs> no, love that line. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Also, the uh, no, it hasn't changed, or no, I can't ask. Yeah, <laughs> Tony Collette, everything she said. So good. Yes, so good. And it's, 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 I also like that he manages to make every single member of the family kind of a shithead. Like, yeah. even Meg, even the daughter. They, the family just uses her in the end, and she mm-hmm. gives the information. Like, and, she, and then like, you can tell like she, her, she's actually close to, to Anna the Armistice's yeah. character, but, but she's still a shithead. I she think still you give it back to us. Yeah, she still lied. She still lied and, cl- and claimed no one was listening, but she was trying. Yeah, and the whole and family. She, and there. then she gave her mom's information. Yeah, to the that family. was that was messed it's up. Real shitty. Yeah, yeah, that scene in the in the hallway with uh, Michael Shannon. I agree. It was, it was like one of, so good. One of the best ones. And like the way it's shot with the pounding of the cane. It's and, so... and his hand. And he's he's like gripping yeah. the handle, and he's like obviously nervous. Yeah, you know. God, want... it's, it's 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 things like that. It's yeah. literally like, you take a great director. This is what we we're talking about Terminator Dark Fate. It's like. When she goes to shut the door, she, like, looks off and then gets in the car. You're like, oh, yeah, she's mischievous. She's going to do something wrong. Yeah. You know, it's like a better director never has those moments. Yeah, right, right, right. Oh, you mean uh, uh, Rambo? Oh, yeah, yeah, Rambo, not Rambo. Dark Fate. <clears throat> um, so, uh, anyway, guys, we are going to talk now a little bit about recasts. So, uh, this, is, uh, this is a game we used to play, Master Recaster. We used to do this one a lot. Yeah. It's been a long time. Um, I think we should go through some of the major roles uh, and talk about kind of talk through it. Yeah, if this movie was to be made kind of in the in the 80s, 90s, maybe even the early 2000s, you know, around 20 years ago, who would you be casting in all sort of the major in all the major roles? And I think you start with Harlan. Who do you go with Harlan Thrombey? For Harlan Thrombey, an old badass wise man. I honestly I think I go Peter O'Toole. Yeah, he's it's a good choice. I go either Peter O'Toole or I go with Richard Harris. I want someone just like old and epic and sweet. Yeah, he's got yeah he's somebody who's got that. Uh, I think maybe I go Albert Finney. I think uh, I like that. Yeah, Albert like Finney, that. like late late nineties, early two thousands. Finney. He's. Uh, I think I think he could I think he could lean into the into the role really really well. I think he'd do a good job with it. I don't think he'd be too comical because um, I don't I don't think he needs to be so. It's not like he needs to be as like handsome as Christopher Plummer. Is no, handsome. Plummer's just so. Epic. I think you yeah. just need someone who is, just is commanding. Yeah, and that's it. Like yeah. I would say Anthony Hopkins if he was older in the nineties. Honestly, I, I'd do Anthony Hopkins right now or Ian McKellen right now as well. Yeah, yeah, or maybe Patrick Stewart right now. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's a good one. Stewart is actually brilliant. Stewart would be real good. Yeah. Uh, who do you go for Ana de Armas? Let's go like down the middle, an easier one because hers feels like it's obviously very important, but doesn't need to be as niche. Hmm. Ana de Armas from from back in the. Back in the day, oh, go ahead. I went from '90s. I go Jolie, okay, because I think you have the the whole girl interrupted thing. The yeah. same with Anna Darmus. You have Knock Knock and Blade Runner, right? But then you also have. We all know Jolie has like can have like the sweetest yeah. face. Can she pull off not being white though? Uh, yeah. I mean, I think if we're doing <laughs> no, I don't think she can do that. But this is also in the '90s. In the '90s, it doesn't so- matter. So they just would do it, and it would just be incorrect, and, no, and they wouldn't get shit for it. And you look at Clue. Yeah. You know, yeah, it's right, like, right, it's right. just a movie about white people. <laughs> I think I might go, if we're going to go... Uh, or J-Lo. 
I was going to say young Halle Berry, like Bullworth era. Okay. Yeah, Halle yeah. Berry. I think that's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, in like your late 90s, Halle Berry. I think that could work. I think she pulls that off probably really well. Jessica Alba. We yeah. People writing Jessica Biel. Young Jessica Alba. Uh, <clears throat> all right. How, how do you go for Ransom? I go I go Tom Cruise. I just, Tom Cruise for Ransom? Because it makes me, like, the, the confident asshole character, I just yeah. think, especially if you're going, like, younger Cruise. That's, come on. It's who's, perfect. Who, it's who could do a better job than Cruise? I love the Cruise cast for that. I, as much as I want him to be the the mad, masturbating Nazi in the bathroom. Yeah. I I think Tobey Maguire's ransom in the '90s was perfect because like <laughs> everyone loved Tobey Maguire in the '90s. He was everywhere, and like the thought of him being that shithead is is just it's Satan's alley. Yeah, it's Satan's, Satan's alley. alley. Satan's alley. <laughs> just Satan's alley. Maguire. Um, all right, so let's just think of some of the other uh, the other key characters. Uh, Benoit. Yeah, Benoit Blanc. So I I thought about this one. I really like the idea of '90s Alec Baldwin. I think oh, I think that's like good. I think late '90s Alec Baldwin, like when that Edge era Alec Baldwin, because he as we saw on like SNL and what he started doing in his later career. Yeah, he totally commits to characters. He's super willing to like put on funny accents and and really make that stuff sing. And uh, I think he would do a great great job with that. I think I think Baldwin could crush it. I think I go. <clears throat> Man, it's hard not to just give it to Cage. Yeah. Feels like Crazy Cage. Crazy Cage in the nineties. Uh, <laughs> but I think I maybe go John Malkovich. Ooh. Like an unbelievable right? choice. Like crazy John Malkovich would be so fun to watch him play that role. I go uh for 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 Don uh, Don Johnson, I go oh. Kurt Russell. That's so funny. I yeah. had Kurt Russell as pegged for someone, but I wasn't sure yet. I think it's the one. Yeah. The sweet mustache. Yeah, I feel like he yeah. might be he might not be quite old enough to be a convincing <clears throat> But I think he could. I think if we're talking yeah. like early two thousands, Kurt Russell, I think it totally. Oh, God, look at that. Yeah, he yeah, and he can and he can pull off. I think Kurt Russell can pull off being racist easily. I think Kurt Russell can pull off being just like an asshole cheating husband easily. That his facial hair is a, is an anomaly. It's remarkable. I don't even think it could grow that it's way. A, I think it doesn't grow that way. But you can see obviously. So what's happened here is he's gone. <laughs> he's gone very wide in this picture. <laughs> but then he's shaved off the full bottom, so he's got a tight right. bottom of his chin. It would, if he had let this thing, it would be it would a just real be like this. full, deep beard. And yeah. I think he's combed it out to really, he's combed it out to really have some shit. God, what a legend. Looks like he has tusks. What a legend. Looks like he has tusks he of hair. He does. Uh, okay, uh, for Don Johnson, for me, yeah, I think, I, I, yeah, I, I just go Kurt Russell. There, there's no way you go somewhat, someone else. Uh, what about Jamie Lee? Yeah, I'm she's a huge character. Yeah, I'm thinking Jamie Lee Curtis in the 90s. Uh, Glenn you know, Close? Yeah, Glenn Close well, in the 90s so is sweet. Susan Sarandon popped in my head. Susan Sarandon's great in the 90s. It's like trying, you, you, she's got to be, she's got to be like the older wife character. I'm just trying to think if we're, if we're talking around that time period, who had, who had really embodied that space um diane lane too young too, too young, young too young too beautiful too beautiful <laughs> she's still too young to play the character um yeah jamie lee i'm not i'm not totally uh, bill murray is don johnson's what a few people are saying oh, that's good. good or chevy one. chase even is don johnson yeah any of those any of those guys um what was i gonna say oh uh, what about tony collette yeah, so Tony Collette's fun because she she feels like you can cast. There's a wider age range. Yeah, cause she doesn't have to be so she doesn't have to be so age specific. Feels like she could be anywhere from like 39 to like late 40s. Yeah, yeah. I think I go. I I think I go. Um, Marissa Tomei for oh, Tony Collette. Oh, that's good. You know, I think Marissa Tomei. If you throw her in the or in in the before the devil knows you're dead era, Marissa Tomei. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I think she pulls the character off really well. I think she can play like that airhead sort of flighty. For some reason, I kept thinking about Julia Roberts. Oh, okay. I don't know yeah. why. I mean, I think she'd crush. Yeah. I think Julia Roberts, if, if she decided to get all, like, care. She might be too charming, though. You might root right. for her too much. Right. I mean, that's the other thing I was going to say is Julia Roberts could play the Anna de Armas character if it was the 90s and we were just throwing out 
we're just completely right, throwing, just throwing away. We're actually needing to be an immigrant because yeah. like, you know, the '90s was dumb. So it feels like Cameron Diaz should fit in this movie somehow. Maybe somehow. she's Catherine Langford or something. Probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah she should be young. She's super young. I, it would have been sweet. It would have been way awesome. Uh, you know who I go with uh, mid two thousands on that subject um, as the Michael Shannon character is uh, I go bearded Jim Carrey. Oh, I go I go bearded feeble. Jim Carrey, who's like he's like Joel in in, uh, yeah. in Eternal Sunshine. He's yeah. real uncomfortable. He's kind of awkward. He's I like that. It's kind of <clears> neurotic. <throat> there you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there's the beard. Look at these beards. Look at these beards. Uh, okay, so that's that's gonna be our recast, guys. We're just playing around a little bit. Uh, I we there were some really good ones in the chat. I think we stole some of them. So thank you guys so much for contributing there the recast is fun i was i always love doing always that. a good time it's a good one on ensemble oh, cast daniel radcliffe is as the, the masturbating yes Nazi. Yeah, that's good. that that's good. is <laughs> so good <laughs> i love it I, I would watch that movie watch the crap out of that oh. so um <clears throat> you know one thing we haven't really talked about just we have a few minutes left here but uh i really did love like keith stanfield in this movie yeah i, I, I the both the detectives were yeah. amazing the other guy was so I have to get the, his name the, the right. The shithead kid from from Looper. From Looper, he he was so. My, that was my other favorite line. Is at the end when Benoit's going through it, and he's like, "Look, Benoit, I understand what you're saying, but he's like, shh, 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 shh. yeah, he's like, because he wants to hear him like <laughs> say the story. It's so good. Uh, yeah, they were." Uh, it, those roles, I feel like from like the the, the Lakeith Stanfield one more so. Yeah. Those are the toughest roles in the movie, right? Like, unless you have such a good grasp or confidence with just being like, I'm just going to go in there and do nothing interesting the whole movie yeah. and know that that's interesting enough because of what's around me. It's not even like playing straight man to a funny man because like you kind of have that with the two cop dynamic, yeah. but you're so in the background that you are literally just the most straight man ever. Right? Yeah, I also yeah, I also really like that he has like lines in there, right? He's like, So protecting a relationship is a motive, that's weak sauce. You yeah. know, like I like I like the cop talk, even though like, you know, my my like, you know, dumb movie watcher sensibility is probably like the cop talk in like a CSI show too, right? But like any any time that you have some like he's like he's saying it confidently, like everybody knows that. Right. You know, yeah, you yeah, know yeah. that, Benny. Right? Like I, I love that stuff. That's so much fun. Uh, his name is Noah Segan. Noah Segan's the actor. Is the actor that yeah. played uh, that played Trooper Wagner in Knives Out, and he was uh, in Looper. What was his name? One year was Looper two thousand nine, six, seven, nine, eight, twelve, twelve. 12. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. Kid Blue. Kid Blue is his Kid name Blue. in Looper. Yeah. So there are three action movie categories. Totally ridiculous. That's gonna be movies like Face Off or Demolition Man. Really silly. You laugh the whole time. They're fantastic though. Totally legitimate. That's gonna be you know a movie like a Gladiator, maybe a Lone Survivor. Uh, a lot of the movies we do on the show now, you know, Ford, Ferrari, they kind of fit that bill. And uh, Ridiculously Legitimate, which is the middle category. Kind of silly, makes you laugh unintentionally here and there, rooted by any really strong characteristic, like a fantastic casting choice, a great script, um, but still, you know, kind of absurd. I, I kind of think this movie for me is the middle category. Yeah, I think so. Because I think it takes itself seriously enough, but it also wants you to laugh with these characters. You have to laugh at Benoit Blanc. Like, I love when he's in the car after they, they arrest Ransom, and he's yeah. just like, just wide-eyed staring off. Yeah. Like, Don't at all. <laughs> you know, like, you're, like, you're an insane person. Yeah, he, and he, yeah exactly. He's... <laughs> I could see somebody just as easily explaining to me how bad he is in this movie yeah. and how ridiculous he is. Like, and, yeah, someone could sell me on him being ridiculous. And that he ruins the movie for them because why did they cast Daniel Craig to be a southern accent guy? Right. Uh, but, like, that's enough. It's like it, it's enough that I love it and I think it's great that I'm like, I, this movie is the middle category. Yeah. Because it's like, it's, 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 it's all the things that are great about that. So, I mean, I think that's exactly that's the thing we talk about. It's, it's so silly and absurd, but the actual mystery of itself, the whole, the whole whodunit, is. Sound tight. 
airtight, liquid tight. Like, it's perfect, right? right? Like, obviously, there's some of the stuff with the shooting that we talked about that's a little confusing, but if you take the actual story and what happens and how she gets away with it and Ransom and, and Fran and all that, it's perfectly well written. So I think it has to be uh, the middle category. Yeah, totally agree. Uh, all right, guys, we've only got a couple things left here to talk about. The next one we're going to do is called The Pitch. He's sick. So Ryan Ryan's had Van Halen queued up. I did. He had it queued up because he knew it was coming. He, I did. Knew it he was decided coming. to add it. I like it. Ryan, you, sir. You've done well. You added the, the caw to the <laughs> intro. That's now Van one. Halen. Yeah, the, the caw was, I think the eagle is maybe the greatest thing that's ever been happened on the show. It's iconic. It's <laughs> iconic. Um, so uh, next week on the show, this is actually really fun. So this is exciting. Some of you guys yeah. in the chat know this um, because some of you, I think, in the chat are the people. But uh, we're going to have some of our uh, our generals from the Action Army, some of the longest supporters, the people that have worked inside Action Industries with us for a little while now. Oh, yeah. As guests, they're going to actually get to be here in studio because they're coming this weekend for Schmodown Spectacular, and they're going to be here an extra day or two. So we're going to bring in a couple people, I think, to the live taping to hang out with us while we do the show. And the movie we're doing next week, Ryan, I know you're excited about this. We're doing Star Wars The Phantom Menace next yeah. week. We're doing it. Yeah. We're going through the numbers. We're going to do Phantom Menace next week. And then the following week, it's is it Return of the I Jedi? I think we're doing Jedi the following week. And I because our screening for uh, for The Rise of the of Skywalker is early enough. I think it's early enough that if we set up the pre-tape, we're going to be able to screen the film, record our episode of AMA, and have it air, even though we're both going to be out of town. We'll be able to air it properly on the Monday following the release of the movie. <laughs> Wait, when, when's our screener? Is it the seventeenth? Like yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I think Ryan, so. we got it. We got to set it up. We got to lock it in. That way, we can get an AMA for the Last Jedi. Because if, if not, we would not have done one for Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. Yeah. For Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, yeah. So we're gonna do Phantom Menace, then Return. Yeah. Then Last Skywalker. It's gonna be a. <laughs> it's still. It's Rise of Skywalker. Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> what did I call it? The Last Skywalker. Last Skywalker. Last Skywalker. <laughs> the Rise of Skywalker. <laughs> I'm like, uh, this is hard for me. As you're having is struggling. I don't care. I, I realize that. <laughs> I believe what this is going to mean is that other than Attack of the Clones, we'll, have, reco- we'll have covered eight of the nine Star Wars saga, the Skywalker saga films. Because we've yeah. at this point, with we've done Jedi, Empire, we'll we did done, Hope. Yep. And yep. we've done Revenge of the Sith. <laughs> of course we have. Yeah. So I think this will be. This means the only one left would be Attack of the Clones, which I think we'll never cover. So We will never cover Attack Clones on this show. Yeah. I can say that. It's very, very good. confidently. Yeah. So, all right, guys, uh, we'll be back next week for Star Wars: The First Jedi. A couple quick shout-outs before we go. Yeah. <laughs> the First Jedi. Uh, a couple quick shout-outs to our generals in the Action Army: Andrew Hayes, Billy Belford, John Patterson, Jake Yakaveta, Kelsey Kirkland, Nick Gilmore, Cody Seal. Tamor Buddha, AJ Lancaster, Sari Laman Maki, brand new general Jason Lasky, and Danny Joyce. Salute to you guys. A couple five star general shout outs Brianne Chandler, Jeremiah Morris, Mac Ryan, John Getz, also Jake Yacovetta, Lucas and Alex Joshek, Kyle Grandinetti, and Paul Denuzio. Guys, thank you so much. We'll see you same time, same place next week. Bye. This is Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network. We would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit PopcornTalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of its owners or principal.